This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, August 6th. I'm Rachel Del Judas. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, I talk with Elise Westoff, the president and CEO of Philanthropy Roundtable. Westoff explains the relationship between philanthropy and economic freedom and why philanthropy is so effective at solving problems the government can't. She also breaks down the ways in which the left is using philanthropy to further their woke agenda. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Before we get into the show today, we have a very important but sad announcement. Today is Rachel's last day with us here at The Daily Signal. She has been a congressional reporter here at The Daily Signal for about five years and co-host of this podcast for almost two years. She is going on to work on Capitol Hill, but we are going to miss her so, so much. Oh, Virginia, so kind. I'm going to miss you all so much. I'm going to miss the podcast. It has been so much fun. I mean, anyone who's worked on it, our producers, you, Virginia, you all know how much work it is, but we've had so much fun together. So I, it's truly, truly, truly bittersweet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to miss you all, but it's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot. And Virginia, you're an awesome co-host. Oh, so. well, Rachel, you are truly going to be missed. Not going to be the same without you, but we wish you well as you go on. But I suppose as they say, the show must go on. So on to our top news for today. The New York State Assembly is close to concluding its impeachment investigation into New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and the allegations of sexual harassment. In a report released Tuesday, the New York Attorney General said that Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women. In a Wednesday statement, Judiciary Chairman Charles Levinge said that independent lawyers told the governor's counsel that the committee's investigation is nearing completion. Levinge also said the Assembly will soon consider potential articles of impeachment against your client. Accordingly, we invite you to provide any additional evidence or written submissions that you would like the committee to consider before its work concludes. America is now acting as a safe haven for Hong Kong residents. President Joe Biden announced Thursday that he is deferring departure for Hong Kong citizens who are currently in the U.S. amid China's suppression of liberties in Hong Kong. Biden said in a statement, the United States supports the human rights and fundamental freedoms of the residents of Hong Kong. Recognizing the significant erosion of those rights and freedoms in Hong Kong by the People's Republic of China, I am directing the deferral of removal of certain Hong Kong residents who are present in the United States. Hong Kong citizens can now extend their stay in America up to 18 months and can apply for employment authorization. Richard Trumka, the president of the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations, died on Tuesday night. Trumka, who was 72, passed away unexpectedly. Here's what Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, had to say about his passing via the recount. It's just horrible news. I'll have more to say about it later. But I wanted to inform my colleagues that we have just lost a giant, and we need him so. We will remember him forever, and his memory will, I know, importune all of us to do more, even more, for the working people of America, who Rich Trumka so dearly and deeply loved. Yield the floor. 
Now stay tuned for my conversation with President and CEO of Philanthropy Roundtable, Elise Westoff, as we discuss the relationship between philanthropy and economic freedom. Today's interview was recorded at the Heritage Foundation's Resource Bank Conference, so please excuse any background noise. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer healthcare choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. I am so pleased to be joined by Elise Westoff, the president and CEO of Philanthropy Roundtable. Elise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So for those who are not familiar with the Philanthropy Roundtable, could you just explain a little bit about what you all do? Absolutely. So we are a network of philanthropists who want to advance liberty, opportunity, and personal responsibility. Um, we have donors of, of all sizes, but they're all serious philanthropists and are really thinking about their, their philanthropy in a strategic way. Mm. What we're really hoping to do is build a movement around strengthening our free society. So that's, that's um, kind of what motivates us every day. And a big part of that is making sure that we have the right framework to do that. So we also are engaged on policy issues related to the philanthropic sector to make sure that you know, conservative donors and donors of all kinds can give to the causes that they believe in as they choose and on their own timeline. So um, not too much government intrusion into the philanthropic sector. It's important for them to be separate. Yeah. For you personally, why is this a passion? Well, you know, I shared a little bit of uh, my my personal story just recently on the main stage over here. But I, um, you know, I grew up in, in Indiana and I faced some challenges growing up. And, you know, having, uh, being equipped with the values that my family gave me, um, you know, kind of personal responsibility, hard work, integrity, character, my faith, all of those things. Um, really helped us overcome some of those challenges. And so I've always kind of been motivated by the idea of helping others and, and getting a chance to do that. And that's the opportunity that I see in philanthropy. And I think, honestly, philanthropy does it better than um, the government does. And that's why I think there's a huge opportunity to help uplift people who need um, and empower people who are coming from challenging circumstances and helping them thrive and do it in a way that is much better than, than what the government would do. Mm-hmm. So. so then what is that relationship between philanthropy and economic freedom? Yeah, I mean, well, I think there's a huge relationship yeah. because, um, you know, it, there are so many people out there who believe that the government should be doing everything for everyone, right? And, and kind of the changing the system, the free market system that we have, and I think actually philanthropy is the key to keeping that system and also, but also making sure that we're addressing the part about that, that desire to help people in need. Philanthropy has the opportunity to do that. And it, again, it does it better than the government 
can do it. And I think that's been proven over and over and over again. So if we have a strong philanthropic sector, um, I think that allows us to, um, you know, really make the argument for why the free market works and also be able to help people in need, yeah. which is a message that I think conservatives really need to focus on right now because we really need to cast a positive vision yeah. of, of um, the society that we want to live in. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we hear that argument sometimes, uh, you know, from those on the left that say, well, you know, we really can't trust individuals that, you know, they're going to give, that they're going to step up to the challenges mm-hmm. and help solve the poverty crisis and, and all yeah. of these different things. So we should just let the government do it. Right. Right. What, what is your response to that argument? Well, I mean, America is the most charitable country in the world. And it always has been. We are built on, you know, associations and we've always have been. So and rather than declining, actually, especially during COVID, we were all a little nervous when the economy started to look like it was having problems um, that people wouldn't step up. But it, it was anything but the truth. Giving um, the estimates for, for last year are that giving is up about 10% over the year prior. People really stepped up to the plate. I think the spirit of America is entrepreneurial and it's generous. And that's what allows philanthropy to be so effective is that people can you know, really um, look to their specific community and come up with solutions quickly in a, in a way that's nimble government doesn't do that very well. And I think we saw that. Um, that is probably one thing that both sides of the aisle can agree on is that, you know, government isn't really meant to be nimble and quick. And it's also, you know, it's a very top down, um, you know, model in government, whereas philanthropy is all about people and communities and their ability to look at their own problems in a very uh, specific and unique way and address them head on. Um, and, and, and it's going to be different for every community. So you really can't have a one size fit all, yeah. fits all solution. So working in this space, uh, what are maybe some examples of places where you've seen like philanthropy really works, where maybe, you know, the government had even tried to step in and it didn't work, but then you had private citizens step up to the challenge and it was successful? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, education is is one space that we're all thinking about a lot, and it's a huge opportunity for us right now. Um, You know, you look at uh, sort of the failing system that we have, and it's just, you know, I, I personally am very invested in this. I have been supporting a school in Philadelphia for foster kids that's, you know, specific to that unique population there. And I've been doing it for years, and I mentor one of their students. And, you know, they just don't do well in a traditional environment because Mm -hmm. their needs are really different. Mm -hmm. And that's one specific example. But every kid is unique and every family and parent is unique. And so to, um, you know, I think part of the reason why the public education system isn't doing well is because it tries to treat everyone as if they're the same and and we're not, right? So this is a place where philanthropy has really stepped up in a lot of ways, both both to create the right policy um, environment where, you know, we can get school choice, but also getting kids scholarships, right? To go to the schools that, you know, are more effective. And the pandemic has just sort of been like a watershed for, I think, that movement. And I think we have a lot of momentum and it's actually reaching people on the left too, which is exciting. 
So I hope that we can seize the opportunity in the next year to get school choice for every family because they deserve it. It's a really, really critical subject and something that we talk a lot about at the Heritage Foundation. School choice is so important. And it, mm-hmm. it really is, you know, do we want a generation that's, that's thriving? Are we going to give our kids what they need is really what it comes down to. It's so, so critical. Now, we can't have this conversation without talking about also what's going on on the left regarding mm-hmm. philanthropy. Yeah. You know, we see, uh, we see groups like the Ford Foundation. They're giving millions of dollars to progressive causes how does that affect society yeah I mean you know it's I think that we're seeing so much and I'm sure you've talked a lot about critical race theory and identity politics and you know woke culture in general um you know a lot of people at Heritage have have been uh speaking about this and writing about this and doing research on this but it's very true you know philanthropy is the source of the woke infection. Um, For decades, um, these big foundations have been pouring tons of money into academic research that, you know, set up different identity groups and, you know, kind of created affinity around these identity groups and um, created the the idea of that. And really it's for, um, you know, for partly for for voting purposes to like create that that group and sort of the feeling against you know that we have to come together and fight against um, you know Republican politics or or whatnot so um, it is extremely influential on society they've created academic research they've um, you know and then they have been sort of infused culture with these ideas using their money so it's it's a really big problem, and we don't really have um, the same infrastructure on the right that I think that we need in philanthropy in order to, you know, promote our ideas effectively mm-hmm. and get them into culture the way that the left has. Well, and of course, the irony of it all is that you know these large companies they're they're using free market principles to make all their money, and then they're shuffling those into these groups that promote you know socialist ideas and these yeah. things that are really oppressive. Uh, your colleague. Uh, Richard Garber, who's chair of uh, the Philanthropy Roundtable, he recently wrote a piece that we republished in the Daily Signal titled Woke Foundations Use Dollars Acquired Through Capitalism to Undermine Free Market Principles. Mm -hmm. How are we seeing this happen? So part of it is that, you know, some of these old foundations that have been around for decades and decades, um, they did not have a really clear mandate on how that money was supposed to be spent. So they didn't have a clear donor intent. And... um, and then over time, new people take over and they sort of, you know, take the lack of mission, the lack of donor intent. And even though we know, you know, Henry Ford was a capitalist and, you know, a free market guy, um, he, he didn't leave instructions. And so when you have big staffs that take over and they tend to be on the progressive side, you know, philanthropy itself is, is an extremely, extremely progressive sector. So the people who go and staff those places are, are able to use that as a platform to forward their progressive ideas. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have um, protection in your, you know, in terms of how you want your legacy to be carried out, it will get hijacked. So it's an important lesson for future philanthropists. And also, you know, a lot of our philanthropists on the conservative side choose to sunset their foundations because they don't want to see that mission creep over time and they don't want to see their legacy destroyed and undermined by people who don't share it. So it's, you know, that there's sort of been a revolution of that that the Philanthropy Roundtable has helped to forward, um, which is either really strongly protect your donor intent um, with clear instructions and in your bylaws and, and every way you can possibly think of, 
or consider not having the foundation go on in perpetuity because mm-hmm. what happens is people, you know, people eventually will not care what the original founder thought and believed in and they'll take it in their own direction. And that's yeah. exactly what's happened. How can we really go about encouraging Americans at, at all levels, whether you know you are a multimillionaire or you know, you're just kind of in a medium income range, how can we encourage people to begin to think like philanthropists, to begin to think generously mm-hmm. and think about legacy? You know, what is yeah. the impact that I want to leave behind for my my children and my grandchildren? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, you know, philanthropy is a a big and lofty term, Mm -hmm. but um, I I like to think, you know, we can all be um, donors and we can all be part of the charitable sector in one way or another. Um, You know, obviously I'm not, you know, giving away millions of dollars every year, but um, I'm intentional about the money that I do give away. And I I think very deeply about whether the organizations I'm supporting advance my personal values. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot about that. Um, I think it's important, you know, part of the beauty of our sector and, you know, we have churches, we have synagogues, we have, you know, people who are giving to things that create that sense of community. So being part of a community like that and volunteering is also being in, in your own way, part of, you know, being a philanthropist, um, being generous with your time and your talents. Um, I highly recommend mentoring. Uh, it's something that I do, and it's it's one of the most meaningful experiences I've ever had. You learn uh, as much as you as you teach, um, and it's you know a really a way to sort of connect and and think deeply about what you want your legacy to be, and and helping others being part of that. So um, I think people, you know, no matter how much money you have, um, you can you can be part of it in one way or another, and. Some of it's your time and talents and, yeah. and finding something you feel passionately about and sharing those things and your gifts with others. Yeah. And how do you go about doing that, actually finding those things? Because, um, you know, we, we often, you know, if we have a little bit of money and we think, I want to give this away, I want to bless someone, I want to partner, it can be challenging. There's so many great causes, so yeah. many great initiatives. Right. What are maybe some tips you recommend for finding, okay, this is where I want to invest, this is where I want to plant those financial seeds. Well, I'll make a plug for the philanthropy roundtable um, for your, you know, conservative-minded people. I think we really highlight a lot of excellent organizations around the country that are really making a difference and that align with our values and believe in hard work and personal responsibility and opportunity for everyone and, and liberty. And so we're highlighting great organizations. We have public webinars. We have um, places you can learn about those things. I would also recommend, you know, thinking about your personal values and looking to your own community first Mm -hmm. to see, you know, people I think often feel like they have to do something really, uh, you know, big on the national scale. And when you're when you're just starting out, look around you, see what impresses you. You think about, you know, if you're a religious person, look to the churches and synagogues and places that are really doing great religious space work. Um, if you're not, uh, there's a lot of, you know, local initiatives um, that are, you know, doing things like fighting poverty that you can get involved in. Or if you're more on the policy side, um, most states have state think tanks that um, you can get involved with and learn about what they're doing to fight the battles that create the right environment for people to thrive. Hmm. So getting involved at the local level first, I think, is a great way to, like, dip your toe in. And uh, the Philanthropy Roundtable, again, likes to highlight great organizations like Heritage and others and, and also local ones that are doing excellent work.
So if individuals listening want to draw on the resources that you all offer, how would they go about doing that? So um, you can go to our website at philanthropyroundtable.org. Um, we have, again, we have a lot of public uh, webinars. We have public, um, we have materials, op-eds, uh, you know, we have guidebooks that you can download, things like that. Um, and then also we can provide more individual services as well for people who are, are very serious and want to start looking uh, into um, you know how to be very strategic with their philanthropy so if you want to reach out to you know to us on our website we'd love to bring you into our community it's a great one and um, a place of learning and a, a place of sharing and also thinking strategically as a movement together which is something that um, I think that we really need more of mm -hmm. on our side that we've been lacking absolutely yeah. yeah Elise thank you so much we really appreciate the work that you're doing in your time today thank you so much thanks for having me and that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and Virginia and Rob will be back with you all on Monday. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.